Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Movie Channel and our Star Wars Retrospective Podcast, where every Wednesday and every Saturday we'll be covering a new installment in the classic franchise. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout. Go to weirdgeeks.com to check out our other podcast series, Twitch streams, contact details, and news on our very own feature films that are currently in production through our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced, and no infringement is intended. Geeks! 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 Hello and welcome back to the Star Wars We Are Geeks retrospective podcast where every single, well no, twice a week, I did it every fucking week, I think it's every week, but twice a week we're doing this. We are plying through another film in the Star Wars franchise, 10 theatrical movies. I'm your host Al White and joining me throughout this journey, Alexander Chard. Hello. Oh, beautiful. Christina Masterson. Hello. That one was very good. It's for the Halloween spirit. That was straight out of the Star Wars universe. Oh, man, that was beautiful. You done voice acting before then, Christina? I'll take it. Yes. Have you done? Have you done? Have you done VO for cartoons or computer games or anything before? Yeah, for Power Rangers. Half of the show is uh, voiceover. Duh, how have you been? Somebody obviously hasn't watched it. You know, I think you should do a podcast of all of the Power Rangers Rangers. seasons and movies. So we have a friend uh, who's currently doing the Texas Chainsaw podcast that we just, well, sorry, that we just wrapped up and he's on many of our weekly shows is Justin and he is good friends with a guy called Dante Brasco who we had on one week as a guest who played Rufio in Hook. Rufio. Rufio. And... uh, (laughs) (laughs) and he does a lot of voice acting now and he does voice acting for avatar the last airbender and then legend of korra and they're doing twitch streams right now with him and justin and different guests who come on sometimes other voice actors from the show because he's never watched it he's like done all the voice acting for the site he's never actually sat down and watched the show um and his fans are always going like you gotta watch the show you gotta watch the show so they're doing this constant twitch thing where they go online and watch the show (laughs) that's cool and people will watch it with them and they're just commentating through it and they get like a really good like fan response people are making memes of them and stuff and dumb things justin has done is now like memes on the internet just from watching (laughs) avatar with dante so yeah the day you want to do that christina and you're gonna sit down and watch all the power ranger shows that you've been in it's the day that I'll cover that with you. Okay, thanks, Hal. <laughs> so it's a, the ball's in your court, Great, Christina. what did I just start? <laughs> so yeah, we are at the animated movie, the only animated movie that we're going to be discussing. We're going to touch, obviously, on everything else, particularly in our wrap-up and a little bit in this episode that has been animated with Star Wars. But so far, we've only been dealing with live action. We've done the original trilogy. We've got through the prequels. But it feels so good. <laughs> so, so good just to be past those films and to be able to move forward and i'm excited to get into the disney movies which is a weird sentence to say but before we get into the disney movies we have to deal with this the strangest of the star wars theatrical releases alex you're the biggest star wars fan here yeah had you seen this before no i hadn't 
I completely forgot that there had been a Clone Wars film leading into the series. The series itself, I will admit I haven't seen all of, but what I have seen, I've really enjoyed. But yeah, I guess this came at a time when I just wasn't keeping up with my Star Wars things. So Slacking. Slacking. I was slacking at this point. So I was I was coming into this completely, I guess not with completely new eyes because I knew the series, but yeah, a little fresh. Narratively new eyes. Christina, mm-hmm. again, this is a new Star Wars movie for you. Duh. <laughs> we're getting to, we're getting to the one that never you've knew seen. it has it. even and I never knew this even existed. I have seen this before a couple of times I think and yeah I've seen some of the show. We'll get to that in a minute. But we're going to be talking about yeah Star Wars the Clone Wars 2008 a fully animated movie which did come to theaters. They thought it was going to be a big deal. They were estimating a lot of money from this uh, cuz it's a Star Wars movie. Didn't really work out how they thought it was going to be, uh, but ostensibly they were making a TV show and they basically saw some footage from the pilot episode and decided, this is pretty good. We should probably put this in theaters. Sorry, can I just interrupt you there? No. You said they they saw some footage. George Lucas saw some footage. Okay. And said. <laughs> the royal the royal day. <laughs> yeah. George Lucas decided, this is good enough. We should put it in theaters. It's Star Wars uh, canon. And... They basically just cobbled together the first four episodes into a film. There's really, they didn't even do an anime thing of let's do new footage, let's change anything. It is literally the first four episodes of the TV show as a movie. They just basically edited between the, so you don't get end titles and then the next episode starts, it just carries on. And you can feel it for sure, as far Um, as I'm concerned, when an episode stops and starts. So I've got a quote here from Howard Rothman, who's the president of Lucas Licensing, who talked about the decision to turn this into a film. And he said, sometimes George works in strange ways. (laughs) I think that's accurate. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So the movie, if there's anything that this podcast series is for, is to prove that point. (laughs) The movie cost eight and a half million uh, to make it. Which is pretty expensive for four episodes of TV animation, but I don't know if they're including startup costs in that because you're creating assets and stuff for a TV show, creating 3D models and all of that. But it ended up worldwide making just shy of, well, it's like $68 million, basically. It did $35 million in, in the US alone, which is good. Like, it's a good return. So it was a success. It wasn't the gangbuster success that they were hoping for. Uh, this is the first Star Wars film not to open at number one in cinemas. It's also the first Star Wars film not to open in the month of May. Read into that what you will. Uh, first Star Wars film to not have Frank Oz doing the voice of Yoda. First Star Wars film to not have John Williams doing the music. First one not to be distributed by 20th Century Fox. Lots of firsts here. But we do have some returning cast. Mm. Uh, we have uh, Samuel L. Jackson is back as Mace Windu. She went through the window. We have Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. We have Christopher Lee as Count Dooku. And of course we have, uh, what's his face? as R2-D2. I've forgotten his name now. <laughs> that is his name. Uh, Tom Kane is taken over as Yoda. Matt Lanter is taken over as Anakin Skywalker. Ashley Eckstein is taken over as, not taken over, is the new character for the series, Ahsoka. And then who do we have? As, uh, Kevin Michael Richardson as Jabba the Hutt. Uh, Catherine Tabor as Padme Amidala. Did and you get Obi-Wan? Is, there he is. James, that's it. James Arnold Taylor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. I liked his Obi-Wan. Yeah. 
Yeah, I did too. But, okay, so we're going to get into this, go through it. Uh, probably, well, I don't know. We'll see if we have less to say about this one than the others. It's a shorter film. By far mm. the shortest Star Wars film ever made. Thank God. And we, yeah, we'll get into it. Christina, before we do, would you please like to hijack our podcast and do my favorite part of the show and take us through the top 20 movies of 2008? Box office. <laughs> office box. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, so number twenty. That was a good dramatic like intro there. I liked it. Number it. It like... twenty. <laughs> the curious case of Benjamin Button. <laughs> oh, that's so weird. <laughs> I know that is weird. We were just off mic talking about Benjamin Button. Number 20, Benjamin Button. That for me was one of those films, like an in-between David Fincher film, where it's like great ideas, some great moments, but a lot of stuff that doesn't work as well. Mm. No, no. Have you, have, you seen the, have you seen the Japanese version? <laughs> I'm living it. I'm, I live with the Japanese version. <laughs> I liked it. I, though, uh, from what I could remember. <laughs> yeah, I liked yeah. it. I liked it. I, liked yeah, I enjoyed it. it. It wasn't a masterpiece or anything. No. Um, number 19, Get Smart. Oh, yeah. Was that the sequel to Get Shorty? No, that was a, a movie remake of the like 1960s television show. Oh, that was the one with... Ma- Maxwell Fosse. Smart. Yeah, uh, Steve, Steve Carell playing like Steve a, Carell. Yeah. Right, right, right. Number no, 18, Wanted. Oh yeah, this is a comic book movie with uh, Angelina Jolie. From Angelina Jolie and um, oh, what's his? Oh, Jesus, what's it? James McAvoy? Um, yeah, this is alright. I didn't see it. It's okay. <laughs> Number seventeen, really <laughs> The Incredible Hulk. Ah, oh, technically the second Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, oh, wow. and the only one to be recast with the lead character, hmm. Edward Norton. And I really enjoy this film. I think it's yeah, underrated. We, bit, me and Alex are quite often said at some point we're going to get to do the MCU as a retrospective podcast, of which is getting more daunting every year because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many fucking films. And we've both secretly always said this used to be like, yeah, well, it used to be our second favorite for quite a while until like the new mm-hmm. the new spat have come out. So mm-hmm. it's probably been beaten down a lot. The ending I remember being horrible, but the rest of the film I really like. Yeah. Number 16, Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, we covered this on our other retrospective with Haruka Abe and Alison Holland. You can listen to our review on our Danny Boyle retrospective. Uh, quite a lot of controversial opinions about Slumdog Millionaire that really seem to split us, I think. <laughs> Interesting. Number 15, The Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian. Oh, so it really dropped because last time... We were on the first one, and that was the number one movie of the year, wasn't it? It beat Star Wars. Was it number one, or was it like number two or three? It was one, because then it was Lord of the Rings 2, because I was really shocked, because uh, yeah. three was Star Wars. Hmm. Was Prince Caspian, is that the second or the third line in which one? I don't remember. I don't anyway, remember either. C- clearly dropped in favorability by this point. Number 14, Marley and Me. Oh, that's a dog film, isn't is it? Is that Jennifer Aniston? Yep, Owen Wilson. Mm. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't watch that. I haven't that. seen this. <laughs> Number 14, 
Mamma Mia. That was no. a good movie. I well, like it. Better than the movie. Better than the movie is if you go on YouTube and uh, <laughs> oh, type in for yes! a little audition from a you special boy called us. Chris Klein. <laughs> go to Chris Klein's Mamma Mia audition on YouTube. The greatest, the greatest video. God, I feel that just makes me feel so many different emotions when I watch that. <laughs> I go to this whole I got gamut. judged. Yeah. I showed it to people recently and they judged me massively. Was it your lot? Was it Lee? Was it you lot? Yeah, they judged yeah. me as actors. They're like, you can't show these bad auditions. It's not fair on the actor. It isn't I fair. Mean, it's he not did your put a fault. Lot of effort now. Someone into released that. it. I mean, yeah, to be fair, it's not. I had I nothing know. to do with either the performance or the releasing of that video. <laughs> so, look, if, you, if you're going to do something that bad, at least people should get enjoyment out of it. You still bring, as an actor, are you not trying to bring enjoyment to the world yeah. guess what chris klein succeeded <laughs> yeah it's it's intense oh, God. he's really a winner on all levels when you think about it in that way okay number 12 <laughs> grand i'm kind of surprised mama me is that low to be honest i thought it'd be high yeah i thought it would be higher too number 12 grand torino oh i never clint, watched clint it eastwood. yeah clint eastwood getting all grumpy he does that was this the last one he acted in that he directed? Because he doesn't really act anymore. Yeah, because this was after Million Dollar Baby, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Number 11, my favorite, Sex in the City. Sex in the City? <laughs> the second one or the first one? It's I be. think this is the first one. Because wouldn't the second one be something else, like Sex in the City 2 or Sex in the City does? Yeah, it was called Sex in the City Racism, I think is what it was called. Because the oh, second one was, was it? so racist. It was terrible. I don't even was know that the one that was like the second in, one. It's they're yeah. like in Dubai or something, aren't they? <gasps> yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. It's off the scale terrible. I should point. rewatch it because back then I wasn't paying attention, but I should rewatch it and the second one, I mean, uh, to be fair, I haven't seen either of them. This is just from what I read. Yeah. Number 10, Dr. Seuss's Horton Hears a Who? Who? Oh, that was pretty Here's cool. Who. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Ah, I never saw it. It's good? Yeah, it's a fun little... Well, Dr. Seuss is I think fun. Jim Carrey does a voice in that, doesn't he? Uh, maybe. I mean, he was Dr. Seuss's Grinch. So he likes Dr. Zeus. I don't know. Number nine, Quantum of Solace. I've never saw that. Ooh, James Bond that low. This was oh, people's James least Bond. favorite James Bond film, wasn't it? Well, it's no, number nine. I, didn't, I thought it was all right, but I'm not a big James Bond fan, so what do I know? I don't know either. Number eight, Madagascar. It. Late, you're too late. Alex, we've moved on. <laughs> Number eight, Madagascar. Escape to Africa. Oh, I was going to say, we talked about Madagascar last time, didn't we? So we get, we're on that sequel run. So Madagascar right is now. a popular movie. Mm, it mm. is. Yeah, there's quite Depends a few in the in series. It. We'll be doing a retrospective uh, Madagascar podcast in 2019. <laughs> not, cannot confirm that. <laughs> <laughs> number seven which i don't know you why you say things it's not how it works <laughs> and then i've got to do it <laughs> yep <laughs> sorry christina number seven which i don't know why it's number seven and not number one twilight oh the first twilight yeah i thought that did i mean maybe the second is m more ranked higher 
Yeah, I guess it was still building steam at that point. It kind of exploded after it came out. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm surprised that's not higher. I mean, I understand why it shouldn't be higher. (laughs) (laughs) I am surprised it's not higher. Number six. Did you watch it, Alex? I've seen bits of it. Oh, just bits? Sure, you've seen all of it. Just seen enough. (laughs) I've seen seen enough. (laughs) I mean, it's just like two hours of... Like real heightened sexual tension between Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart, isn't it? If, I mean, by sexual tension, you mean like Orlando Bloom and Kira Knightley parts of the Caribbean kind of heightened Great. tension of just a couple of wet fish looking at each other. The best thing I've seen on Twilight is the um, bad lip reading version. Look it up on YouTube. They do some badly breeding. breeding. No, bad, li- bad, bad lip reading. It's this like oh, I think the badly breeding. That's what I thought too. <laughs> bad, bad lip reading. This this group. Oh, of bad people that- lip reading. <laughs> oh man, that took me a long time. Bad yeah, I'm glad that lip wasn't just reading. Me. <laughs> I'm glad I, I seen it felt like such a fucking pervert. <laughs> really, I thought it was badly breeding too. I was like, oh, I, it must be some mashup. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, like I the- presume every sex session between those two is badly breeding. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only version I've seen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Number six, Kung Fu Panda. Oh, Kung Fu Panda. I don't know. Yeah, I like that film. I think that's a good DreamWorks one. I think it's fun. Number five, Wally E. I'd never seen it. Was only number five? <laughs> oh, Wally. Oh, I was like, what is she saying? Is that a word? <laughs> Wally. You haven't seen that? And that was only no. five? What? Surprise. What is happening here? There must be some huge films in our top four because Wally was big. Twilight was big. At this rate, Clone, Clone Wars, I think, I'm just going to say it. It's looking good. It's, it's looking good for number one. It's oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> number four, Hancock. Really? I forget how big that movie was. Mm. That's the non-comic book comic book movie with Will Smith. Where he's like, a, he's a drunk layabout, but who has superpowers. And mm, oh, yeah, that's yes. right. I forgot about that film. Yeah, yeah it was all right, actually, but it was, I'm surprised it's that high. But, wow. I mean, reading all of these every time we do a podcast makes me realize how many films I have not seen. How many top 20 films I have not seen. Hey, well, guess what? But some- you get to watch ones like The Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> You're very lucky. Uh- <laughs> Ignore those other movies. <laughs> Number three, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, Mm. the Crystal Skull got to number three. Mm. Wow. Was it good or was it bad? Oh, it was (laughs) terrible. Mm. (laughs) Oh, it's another George Lucas movie though. So it's, you know, it's... I really wanted... No, he didn't direct it. He's... him and Spielberg basically created... He, George Lucas created the characters, but Spielberg took over Indiana Jones as like directing mm. for all of them. But they're very much like... They both interact with each other on a lot of stuff, but Indiana Jones is actually really... It's George Lucas's baby, but Spielberg... Yeah. Mm. Well, it's, it's the helmer of the films. And I would argue all of the bad things in Crystal Skull, you can feel George Lucas's little grubby fingers over... <laughs> So all the CGI stuff and just all of the swinging through jungles with monkeys and just horrible, horrible things. I'm not, I'm not wrong with that. Am I George Lucas to create? I thought he created Indiana Jones, didn't he? Or yeah, something like that. Because Indiana, the name even Indiana Jones was based on his dog. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, so that that's a running gag even within in the film is that Indiana Jones is named after the family dog. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that. Is the dog's name Indiana or Indiana Jones? I think just Indiana. I think just Indiana, yeah. yeah. Okay, number two, Iron Man. Oh, MCU had two films in their first year, Iron Man, number two. Yeah, I think this is actually an overrated movie, to be honest, but cool. Okay, are you ready for number one? <laughs> I, I honestly have no idea what it could be. I know. Do you guys want to guess? One guess each. Just guess. What year are we talking about? 2008. 2008. Uh, what could it be? Mm. I am going to say... Yeah, I'm going to stick with it. Clone Wars. <laughs> I'm going to say Lars von Trier's Melancholia. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I don't think it was 2008, but whatever. Wait, I'll guess again. What get, is uh, it, Christina? Rise oh. of the Planet of the Apes. Okay. Do you want to change yours, Al? No, I'm sticking with Lars von Trier, number one every time. <laughs> you guys are both wrong, and it is... What? The Dark... Nights. Oh, of oh, course. Two thousand eight, the year of the Dark We're Batman Begins last episode, so we really are like on those perfect production cycles because you get a sequel each time. Boop, boop, boop. But yeah, well deserving. The Dark Knight should be number one that year. Much better than it made over five hundred million dollars, which is low now, considerably. Like a Marvel movie will make a billion when they get a big one. So. Mm. Wow. Yeah, okay. Well, that really does... I mean, to be honest, it does help us with the landscape of what The Clone Wars is getting itself into in 2008. When was the last movie? 2005, wasn't it? Um, yep. That's when Revenge of the Sith. So we've had three years, no Star Wars movie, and then this came out. Oh, right, George, what are we going to do? Should we just get... Straight into it, Alex. Will you care to please guide us through? Yeah, sure. Time was. I can do that. Um, so, as you mentioned before, Al, this wasn't distributed. <laughs> I'm not <doing> else. <laughs> this wasn't distributed by 20th Century Fox. So, the opening is not the classic uh, 20th Century Fox fanfare, the sparkly Lucasfilm sequence, basically. So, it starts with the Lucasfilm, uh, and then a long time ago in a galaxy far away. And then it plays, it doesn't quite play the style. It's like a version of the Star Wars theme, right? And it opens on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it opens on to the Clone Wars, Star Wars uh, title. But rather than going into a crawl, which at this point I thought every Star Wars thing did like even games always did the crawl mm -hmm. uh, but this doesn't go into a crawl it goes into a sort of uh cartoon or well, obviously animated uh, <laughs> a, a sort of what? montage a montage style introduction red flag right there no crawl stop oh, watching yep. you should stop watching i know i'm did, a big fan did you stop watching <laughs> since the end of your <laughs> review christina <laughs> No cruel, no Christina. That's my role. <laughs> and that wraps up this week's podcast. <laughs> so yeah, we go into a just a montage intro of, of 
what's been happening in the galaxy and how the Republic have been fighting the clone army. At this point, the clone army has been separated, I think, something from from the Republic control just because they've been spread out far and wide with the Jedi. And we learned that Jabba's son, I think his name is Rota. Oh, God, I forgot. I had a blank. Jabba's Smelly son. thing. Stinky. Yeah, well, they just call him Stinky. Yeah, he's called Stinky. <laughs> is kidnapped and Jabba requests help from the Chancellor and the Jedi to find his kidnapped son. So that's basically the setup of our And film. that's really the movie. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. it. All right, there's a lot. Let's unpack a lot right off the bat here because obviously we're in something completely different. This is like mm-hmm. going into the prequels. You're in a new vision of Star Wars. So first of all, for clarity for people who haven't seen this, this takes place during the Clone Wars, which is between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. So these are those missing years between those two films. This is still seen as canon. So this is still with the Disney continuity. So it should work going from... So we need to judge it like that. Going from Attack of Clones into Revenge of the Sith with character arcs and all of that stuff. Obviously appreciating this is made for children's TV. But So we talked a bit about it on the last episode, but it was a previous Attack of the Clones, which had come out from 2003, 4, and 5, which were these 2D animated ones from the creator of Samurai Jack and Dexter's Lab, uh, which are really, really great. Very stylish, very cool, but very different and have now been deemed non-canon. So you can kind of forget about them. But that's just so you don't get confused. There's basically three Clone Wars. There's those Clone Wars. There's this Clone Wars, the movie. And then there's the Clone Wars TV show. So the TV show would go on to run for six years. And the last year, I think it was only season six, was actually signed up by Netflix. They kind of brought it back to finish things off. And to give context with the critical nature of this film, a lot of people didn't like this when it came out. It was a big disappointment to people. But people did really love the TV show. And when you look into lists of it, people seem to like different series of the TV show. So the Clone Wars itself is quite beloved amongst the Star Wars community. A lot of people mm-hmm. fight very ardently for how great it is. Not many of them fight, interestingly, for this movie, which I find strange considering people love the TV show, but not this. But this is just a TV show. Yeah, this like absolutely got just savaged by critics. And it was funny, like I was reading back on some of these reviews and I think there wasn't a sense of the sort of context of what this was and that it was going into a TV show very much aimed, like very much aimed at children. I think the Cartoon Network were attached to this as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think people were judging it very much because it had a theatrical release up against the other films and it just got like really panned. But, it, you know, but once it started as a TV show, like you're saying, it, it took a bit to find its feet and now it's just like... It's, I think it's. I think this series, the series, is probably held up higher than some of the prequels for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, if we're going by those IMDb ratings, this film has a five point nine, which is the lowest that any Star Wars film has had so far. If we're not including those Ewok movies, but the TV show gets an eight, which is higher than any of the prequels on IMDb. Uh, but it is lower than the original trilogy. Uh, just so yeah, a strange kind of, and we'll we'll get into that. Obviously, as to why, but I just want to set the scene for where this is taking place and how we should be judging it. Because it's hard when you look at something like this. It's like, how do you judge something that's obviously a very different demographic that they're aiming for with this? But okay, so like straight away, animated style. Uh, This is obviously a very unique style. At the time, it was one of the most expensive animated pilots ever made um, using lots of uh, innovative technology. 
it's a very particular style. Some people hate it, some people love it. It kind of looks like mannequins that are sort of almost like wood painted, sort of it's it's very strange, unique style. Uh Christina, you're fresh eyes to this. How do you how do you like just the look of this straight off the bat? It's not what because I don't watch that many cartoons. So it it's not anything that like mm-mm. It doesn't compare to anything I've I've watched. I felt like maybe it reminded me more of like video game animation. That's about it. Yeah, I can see you that. Know? I can see that. I think that's fair enough. Do you do you find that like coming off the back of the prequels, seeing like Obi-Wan and Anakin in these iterations? Are you happy with that? Or was it immediately jarring to you to be like, well, well I was a little confused, but now I get it after you've explained it because we just watched, you know, Count Dooku get killed and all that stuff. And so this is, so I thought since this was, you know, three years after the uh, Revenge of the Sith, that it would be in that right. timeline. But I guess it is not. So I was a little confused. And then, but I figured that that was the case. <laughs> it's a prequel to one of the prequels. What's not to understand? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <don't Yeah>. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Alex, as a Star Wars fan, I know you're familiar with the TV show, so you're probably more accepting to the style, but trying to look at it fresh, yeah. like how does this work for you? Yeah, I, I love this style. I know that um, it was a lot of it was actually inspired by the Thunderbird series, hence the kind of yeah. puppet marionette kind of look. But I've, I've always really liked it. I like that it's really stylized. And for me, like jumping from the prequel films to this, where in the prequels there's, you could argue, like an overuse of CGI and some of it very poor, that it's not a massive leap to this. Like it actually, this looks great because it's, because <laughs> it, it, it works within the context of what they're doing. And yeah. so, yeah, I've, I've always been a big, big fan of the look of um, this Clone Wars series as well as. Uh, rebels which followed it and and continued that style yeah i think it's awesome yeah i i agree like i actually think it's a cool style i like that it's very bold it's very different um i think obviously if they did it now which they are with rebels but we'll get to that uh particularly in our wrap-up i don't like i think there's a cooler way to do this now using more shallow depth of field and focus and stuff like that to make it a bit more cinematic if you know what i mean but i think the Mm -hmm. objective style designs are actually really cool uh and this opening, because obviously they're feeling everything out. This is the first four episodes. I would argue the designs are cool, but the animation's not really working for me. The animation, I think, is quite clunky. Right. Quite a lot of the time, everything's quite rigid. And I do know, because I went and watched some other episodes from arcs later on, like in season five and stuff, and they it got far, far better. It got a lot more sophisticated um, as you got deep into the series. But yeah, I don't know from with the designs. I think... I think it's cool, and I agree with you. You're more accepting of everything that's happening because at least it makes sense in the world that you're in. Whereas when you're watching live action people with CGI backgrounds, and then one thing, you know, things keep changing back and forth, like they were in the prequels. It's hard. It keeps breaking my continuity of you know how immersed I can be. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this, you're, you're just in it, which is great. Yeah. All right. Let's continue from what plot there is. Uh, yeah, so we find out Jabba makes a request to the Chancellor to help uh, and to get the Jedi to find his kidnapped son. So uh, the Chancellor says that he's going to get Kenobi, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker to, to get on the case uh, because they're 
the only Jedi available at this point in time because, as I mentioned before, the Jedi and the clone army is spread out far and wide across the galaxy. However, they can't reach Kenobi. <laughs> I think my notes on this are really poor because I'm <laughs> trying to recount some. <laughs> um, anyway, we they they can't they can't reach Kenobi, but where where then we then find Anakin and Obi Wan who are on a planet battling a huge uh, droid army with with clone troops, and at this point we start to immediately see this dynamic between Anakin and Obi Wan, and I have to say for me right off the bat, Anakin, you can tell they're trying to make him way more likable than he was in the prequels films that is i don't know about you guys if you thought that but that was like the thing that jumped out to me right away was was yeah making anakin like still have that sort of emotional impulses but but just being a less whiny and bratty about it i think it's I think it's crazingly jarringly so. Like, I think it's it's not to the point where it's just not the same character. It's like a different. Mm. It's like they remade the character completely, which you have to do if you're going to do a series and you don't know how long it's going to go on for. So yeah. well, we can't have him being a dick the whole time. And clearly, he's going to be a sort of weird role model in this for kids as well. Like they brought in this new character, which we're about to get to, but Anakin still you can't have him in a cartoon show for kids, and he's promoting being the dark side you know yeah yeah so yeah he's he's even like he's perfectly chiseled he's very handsome he's got a voice actor who just sounds more way more mature just sounds like and the way they play it he feels like a peer he feels like him and obi-wan are just yeah. like you know they're on the same level basically and he's got a good sense of humor he's just a really nice guy and this is the anakin i'd much rather watch to be honest, for sure than the one that we get in the prequels for sure so yeah, Anakin. There's basically this big battle. Anakin, sort of highlighting his powers and ability, is able to destroy these giant spider droids, droids, which gives the uh, clone army and the Jedi uh, the upper hand. However, we realize that they still need reinforcements, and the droid army retreats. And we cut to a little bit where Obi Wan is explaining to Anakin that he's expecting a new Padawan. Uh, but at this point, a youngling arrives, and this is when we first meet Ahsoka, who becomes a huge part of the Clone Wars series and later on in Rebels as well. And she passes on a message from Master Yoda, and she says that they're able to relay a message back to the cruiser that Ahsoka was brought on. Um, and Yoda's message, like telling them what's happening and about Jabba gets cut. And at this point, Ahsoka also reveals that she's been assigned to Anakin, who at this point protests this decision that he's going to be the master of this youngling. And she's like, no, this is what Yoda wanted. Sorry, I do got to say, <laughs> was it a little weird when she like came off that ship and just the way Obi-Wan Kenobi was looking at her? And if she's supposed to be like this <laughs> underage youngling that's maybe not even old enough to be in training, like... um I just felt like I was like, wait, is this, is Obi Wan like crushing on her? I was a little confused. Did you guys feel that, or I didn't get that moment that you're talking about? But I know plenty of people who wouldn't let their kids watch this show because they felt Ahsoka was too sexually like dressed. 
like she, her midriff is showing she's very like she's wearing this sort of little skirt with tights and stuff and she's got a lot of sort of sassy attitude to her so i know a lot of people who didn't think she was a good role model actually for their, their daughters so they didn't want to let them see this so i didn't i didn't get it from obi-wan but i get it with her character as a whole see that's kind of funny putting out a certain because i didn't see that like i did i didn't think she was a bad role model at all but i did feel like they kind of um sexualized her a little bit yeah but that's what i mean yeah. though just in the way that but she's through the way the guys were looking at her interesting okay i'd have to go back and check that out because mm-hmm. no i didn't get that but i wasn't okay so ahsoka she's a interesting character and it's dangerous to introduce a new character to a star wars lore obviously mm-hmm. people are going to be very tender hooks on whether they accept her or not my first thing is why assign her to anakin i don't understand that setup to begin with like he's not he's still he's still a padawan in training isn't he at this point or is he technically he's already a, knight, a jedi knight a at this point yeah okay i think because so is that appropriate I think so, because I think he needs that experience of being responsible for somebody else, you know? Okay. okay. It's like when you go to class and they give you that fake baby to take home. And look yeah, after exactly. And see if- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how are you feeling with her straight away? Because for me, she, I, like, I've met Anakin. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Anakin's not as annoying as he is in the prequels. And then this young girl turns up and she's basically filling in for Anakin with me. She's like boastful she's like all sassy and stuff and it's just like oh great okay you're going to be basically doing anakin's role from the films because you're you're so young you've got too much cockiness about you sort of thing yeah but she wasn't yeah, annoying exa- i don't think i found I her annoying i'm gonna oh, say it I right didn't. now i found her annoying. i didn't find her as annoying as i find anakin in the prequel movies not at all yeah. but i do find her annoying and i was enjoying at the beginning of oh there's no characters here who are annoying me and then she turned up and i was like oh, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's really funny <laughs> i liked her yeah I, I liked her too i didn't find her annoying i mean i felt that it was very deliberative like like you said al of her playing the anakin role and so i guess my interest in that was like oh cool okay they're making anakin more likable how is he going to play off that and i like that sort of dynamic that was between them of them kind of both being stubborn and impulsive and and anakin having moments where he's like you have to be patient and it's like that's what they've been telling yeah. you all along anakin listen <laughs> listen to your own advice mate <laughs> sort it out because you're gonna end up abandoned by your best friend burning next to lava <laughs> oh Sad. Um, is it not weird i find it really weird this point where they're ringing up yoda and there's just like four seconds where they're waiting for yoda basically to pick up a skype call <laughs> it's really <laughs> and strange. then they all look at each other <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so weird that was strange <laughs> um, and then she immediately starts calling anakin sky guy i'm sorry like, sky guy, yeah. that's just like come on she kind of has a nickname for everything yeah. With with points like that, when she did the Sky Guy, that's where, like, that was one of those moments where I was like, okay, like, I have to remember the context of this and who, like, the audience it's really targeted at and that it's going to go into a TV show. Because, like, at that point, it was, it was very clear, like, the line they were drawing. So I, I think was, this I was, is the point is, it, is it's like easy to look down on kids with stuff and i think you can talk up to kids a lot you know i think it's it's important to get that context of wally came out this year wally's a film absolutely for kids but it never talks down to kids you know 
Mm-hmm. And even in the later episodes, sure, it gets quite dark in some of the later bits of Clone Wars, the TV show. But there's plenty of episodes where it gets a lot more sophisticated, but it's still perfectly suitable for kids, you know. So, But I feel this was just still at that era, potentially, where we weren't making content for kids with as much, I don't know, adult sensibilities included mm-hmm. as we would now. For sure. So then we see Dooku and... Darth Sidious speaking to or via their communication speaking to another possible Sith we don't know at this point uh, who talks about where she has taken Chabba's son and we cut back to the battle with Anakin who then passes Ahsoka off to Captain Rex a clone captain Uh, he's like you look after he's still like at this point like no who is this youngling (laughs) and then an energy field starts to engulf the city and the, that's protecting the droid army as they move and advance towards the clone army. Ahsoka makes a very obvious and very good suggestion that the shield should get destroyed. And Anakin agrees. <laughs> so what do they do, Alex? <laughs> what do they do? Oh, we're not quite there yet. They sorry, hide sorry. under I'm a box. Laughing oh. and yeah, yeah like... no, I, haven't, I haven't got up to that bit yet. <laughs> Um, so I'm already laughing in anticipation of the bucket, basically. Yeah. So uh, we also find out that a scout trooper is revealed to Mace Windu, who at this point I didn't realize was voiced by Samuel L. Jackson. I was like, he kind of oh, sounds really? like Sam. Yeah. Because I was like, he kind of sounds like him, but doesn't. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I could tell straight away and I was amazed. I had to check. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Samuel Jackson came back for this? That's fucking yeah, I think, crazy. I think maybe it was is that sense of like it, it couldn't be him. Why would he do this? Yeah. Uh, um so a scout trooper reveals <laughs> hey, He did deep blue sea. <laughs> they oh god, remember his death scene? Wow. Oh, I have to. A scout trooper reveals to to Mace Windu that Jabba has hired bounty hunters to find his son and they have the location, but there aren't enough troops to protect them to to go and uh, get Jabba's son. So yeah, now the bit we get up to. So Anakin just so could come up with a plan. How are they going to disable the shield? Plan. So Anakin's thinking about it. The clone cannons obviously have no effect. So yes, they hide under a box um, and slowly shuffle their way behind enemy lines. And I think even Ahsoka's like, <laughs> this is a crazy idea. Like literally, they're literally walking over them. They're literally like nudging against this box. Yeah. That's- I just as I'm watching this entire scene, I'm just trying to imagine in my head how would this be if it was in live action? Just <laughs> 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 to see Ewan McGregor, sorry, not Ewan McGregor, to see um, Hayden yeah, Christensen, Hayden Christensen, just tucked under a little box, <laughs> <It's kind of laughs> like shuffling past the droid army. I mean, I laugh at it, but George Lucas would totally have done it <laughs> if he could. Oh, you could imagine, movie. like you could imagine, something, something Jar Jar Binks would have done for sure. I was kind of with this film up until this point. Like, it opens and I'm, I'm like, you know, the animation's a bit clunky. She's annoying me a bit, but the action scene's pretty cool. It's mm-hmm. clear this is like, this is the first episode, right? This is clear. Here's the first episode. It's a battle on a bridge, basically. Yeah. But as soon as we get this scene, I'm just like, all right. <laughs> We're doing something very different here. The writing's not as sophisticated as it needs to be for this. Yeah. Again, like, th- these were just all points for me where I was like, it's for kids. It's for little kids at this point. And it's like playing down but to that. The Phantom Menace is for kids, you know? 
but there was still like a cool pod race and some Darth Maul things. For sure. Some, you know, like there was no hype. Look, you can say what you want about the Phantom Menace, but no one hid under a box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they managed to hide. The front cover. <laughs> they hide under the box and shuffle all their way behind enemy lines to reach the shield, just as the droids have Obi Wan surrounded and he surrenders. And Obi Wan tells a Scottish alien general. <laughs> A Scottish alien general to negotiate the surrender with him. Now the galactic fleet arrive out of uh, hyperspace and Yoda is intent on helping Kenobi. We have this whole sequence now where Ahsoka Ahsoka rushes to the shield generator um, against Anakin's demands, just as he would have done if he was with Obi-Wan, which triggers all these droid guards. And Anakin's able to take care of them while Ahsoka sets the charges. And then Ahsoka, Anakin's surrounded and Ahsoka saves him by like pulling down this like giant uh, crumbled wall, which conveniently has a little window hole, which falls over Anakin, <laughs> crushes the droids, and she saves him, but Anakin still is unhappy about it. You could have killed me! Act- exactly, that she acted so rashly. Uh, Obi-Wan continue, continues to stall this general by ordering a, a cup of tea. Because <laughs> he's a very refined British man and he needs to have a cup of tea. Quite right. Yeah. Oh. And at this point, the shield becomes disabled, the cannons destroyed the droid army, and the reinforcements arrive with Master Yoda. And at this point, Anakin now, as this battle kind of simmers down and, and the clone army get the upper hand, Anakin accepts Ahsoka as his Padawan, even though she's reckless. And Yoda decides to send Ahsoka and Anakin to the Teth system to rescue Jabba's son while Obi-Wan negotiates with Jabba. So the whole context at this point is that the Republic and the clone army have to negotiate as well as rescue Jabba's son. They see it as an advantage in the Clone Wars because Tatooine uh, and the Outer Rims are controlled by the Huts, and the Republic need to get the Huts on side so they can have the clone army passed through the outer rims to get an upper hand in the battle is the context thank you i mean honestly you're helping me out immeasurably because i was finding it very hard to concentrate on the details of what was really going on so you spelling it out like that thank you yeah (laughs) how do you feel about the huts being such a big fucking deal then now suddenly out of nowhere like they've gone from a little side note in return of jedi to in the prequels seeming to run like an empire there at some point like in a black market scenario ruling over the pod racing to now being like a critical point in the clone wars and having a big hand in you know stuff that's going on like how is that for you as a star wars fan yeah it's an interesting choice because obviously in all the prior uh, uh extended universe stuff that's now not canon you know they very much stuck with the theme that they were yeah sort of gangsters that were just involved in in their own dealings in the outer rim and i liked that i would have preferred that that they that they just had their own kind of shady dealings and businesses going on in the outer rim and and that it was very much part of that part of the galaxy that sort of went unnoticed and there's cool stories in that but now that they're having like this such a big kind of influence across the galaxy and across the, the Clone Wars and the whole story, I think it's kind of what you said about the prequels, about it sort of um, rather than expanding the universe, it, it's contracting and making it smaller because it's trying to tie in every 
little detail. Yeah. So for me, this was as just from a fan point of view, was it, and someone that is still very clearly clinging to some of the expanded universe stuff that's that's been just taken away from me. Um, Have you, you need it, therapy, it, my friend? It's it over. just, I know, it just feels. <laughs> Yeah, it feels a little sort of forced that they'd be so influential like that. More pressingly, Christina, what have you put on your palms that it takes 10 minutes to rub it in? Because that, that was going on for a long time. <laughs> Every time I just look over, you're just all like rubbing this into your hands, whatever lotion you're using. It has CBD oil in it. Oh, that'll be it. Seaweed takes a while. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing a good job though did you get like under the cuticles yeah it's really yeah, uh important. moisturizing too so uh... do you do that thing where you push back your cuticles so you get you know like the air bubble in your nails no i don't really do that i remember going to doctors when i was young it's like it's important for you to be able to see the air bubble in your nails so you gotta no. push your cuticles back but i forget why it was important so every now and then i worry that i'm dying oh no probably from because cuticle death I don't really do it, but like every once in a while, the nail, I go to a nail salon and they do it, but probably because your skin could just keep growing over your nails. Gross. But I think, I think there's a reason why, well, no, steady on. I don't think your finger's going to just eat your nail. (laughs) (laughs) I feel there's some sort of health reason with the air bubbles, but we should probably look into it. Anyway, this is very I didn't even know that was an air bubble. I I just want to say that I feel like- This is what Clone Wars do to you. (laughs) <laughs> well, I was going to say, if we had had the opportunity to watch this all together, oh my this God. would have happened at this point of the film. You guys would have been having this conversation <laughs> while I'm taking notes. I, that's actually what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to replicate, because I don't have that many notes. I have by far the least amount of notes for this film, and they really trail off the deeper we get into this movie. But I'm trying to replicate where my mental state is at as I'm watching this. So I like to feel by this point, we're about at the end of the first episode, moving into the mm-hmm. second episode. I've started checking my nails and thinking about how I might be dying from cuticle death. Okay. So moving into the next part. (laughs) I'm giving myself a massage to help me get through it. (laughs) So while you guys are doing your little thing, and I was watching the film, (laughs) we go back, we go to Jabba's palace for the first time. (laughs) Yeah. we, uh, We see Jabba in his palace for the first time. One thing I notice about the huts in this film, and I guess also in the prequels and the additional CGI that they added, is that they're way more upright than Jabba is in Return of the Jedi, where that big giant mm. Jabba puppet is like sort of slung down more and way more kind of like just immobile slouchy. and slouchy and just sluggy. Whereas yeah. in this, and they're like, I don't know. A bit more upright. He was younger. He'd been in, he was in training. He was doing triathlons. Exactly. Yeah, he was still training at that point. So we got, we're a Jabba's- sexy lady still dancing in front of him, which I found I very weird. That. Yeah. Yeah, that really stood out. It was funny. Yeah. So this, this is for kids, but here's the sexy lady dancing. His, his little sexy <laughs> wait, lady wait, slave. Wait, wait, wait. I know we're not there though. yet, but speaking Let's about sexy ladies, <laughs> his, what, his cousin or something? She owns well, uh, Jabba's like, cousin. <laughs> that wasn't a lady. Oh, we're getting no. We're, we're going to get to that. If it's for okay, fine. Oh, I'll save it. That. I'll save it. The best thing. I woke up. I stopped checking my nails when that happened. But we'll get that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Jabba 
is sent the heads of the bounty hunters that he sent out to find his son. And Jabba wants to know why the Jedi are not looking for his son. And he, he makes this ultimatum that they better be looking for his son if they want the Republic to have safe passage through the Outer Rims. Uh, Anakin then gets a scout report while uh, he's on this t- in this test system now and he gets a scout report while Ahsoka goes on and recounts to the clones how she saved Anakin. Obi-Wan, he arrives on Tatooine to negotiate with Jabba um, and he informs Jabba that one of the most powerful Jedi is on the way to rescue his son. And Jabba says he wants the kidnapper brought to him dead or alive. And if they do not succeed, Count Dooku and his army will. So basically, at this point, Count Dooku and the Separatists offering, even though they're kind of behind the whole scheme, I guess, they're also saying to Jabba that they want to get his son so that they can have control of the Outer Rims. So whoever wins Jabba's favor, basically, is going to have access into the Outer Rims. So Obi-Wan relays the plan to Anakin. At this point, there's a thing that I wrote here. The droids are on top. So they find out that Jabba's son is being kept atop this monastery on this big, like, rocky clifftop thing. Oh, yeah. Um, And the droids are looking out, and the droids are using binoculars. Wouldn't they have that, like, built into their their system? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes, 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 they would. Okay. Uh, well, you'd hope so. Yeah. Before planning. And these are very talkative droids again. They're pretty like, yeah. chatty. Yeah, so sort of as they did in, in Revenge of the Sith, they make them very talky and, and Excuse me. goofy and sort of dumb. Um, anyway, they see Anakin approaching and they attack Anakin and the clones, but the in a big sort of sequence here... Um, Anakin and the clone army ascend the rocky tower to the monastery. Um, and Ahsoka almost dies at this point, but Anakin saves her. Um, and when they reach the monastery, there's a dark lord, dark lord watching over them. And this droid appears and tells them that, that the monastery has been taken over and that the hut baby is in the prison quarters or the hut, his son. This dark lord <laughs> who we find out right. is called yeah. Ventress calls Dooku and says that the Jedi have taken the monastery. Ahsoka at this point is aware that they're walking into a trap and Anakin is also aware, but he's like, it's all good. Let's just continue. And they get to the prison quarters and they open the door and they find the hut who is just this little baby slug. Okay. My my housemate Carter said was very cute. And I was like, that is just disgusting. No, he was really cute. No, I did. They did a good job with the, with the baby slug. How cute! I'd buy it if it was a stuffed animal. <laughs> it looked oh, like it looked like a like a poo that was hanging off the back of a sheep, <laughs> like that mm. got stuck. <laughs> a dingleberry. No, we so cute. I have written down here, baby heart. I bet Christina is suddenly happy. I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> I was. I was. I like, I have to say, I do like this whole jungle sequence. Uh, I like the color change. The palette change is cool. And there's a lot of action in this movie, like more than any of the others. Like it's just oh, con- yeah. continuous action beats. 
Um, and some of it works pretty well. I don't like the stuff with the droids as much because the droids in this just tend to stand in one place and just walk slowly forward while shooting. <laughs> There's no tact. They're not tactical droids. They're mm. just like just walking forward. But this scene I thought was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And then, yeah, we see a little slug boy and I thought he was fairly cute as well. Not quite as... Not, I'm not fawning over him like Christina is. <laughs> By this point, no, I've given up all... Like, it's... I've given up really that this is anything to do with star wars it's like these are the same characters but we're not in the same universe really so you're like, given the characters over are all there. sure given up given up whatever you want <laughs> i don't mind <laughs> but i'm just accepting of well this isn't how the huts are to me that frustrated me this isn't anakin at all because i'd like him and i've written down four times so far in my notes oh i like anakin he's great <laughs> so it's like this doesn't work for me in any sense in canon but taken for what it is on its own, it's like, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah, things yeah. are happening. There's a little slug boy, a little dingleberry, <laughs> sure, sheep poop. So Obi Wan leaves Tatooine, and Dooku's watching him leave. And Dooku goes into the palace and tells Jabba that the Jedi have actually kidnapped his son. And he also says to Jabba that the Jedi plan to destroy him. We find out that the little baby Hut, who I think at this point. Uh, Ahsoka's already nicknamed Stinky because she's very quick with nicknames. She just judges people right away. She sees them. Baby, he's sick, and so that they need to they need to to get him to like a a doctor or something. Yes. The yeah, and so they're like trying to get out, and yeah, she tells she tells Anakin that he's sick, and Anakin like has this moment where he turns around to check on. Uh, little stinky and it and and says oh god i hate huts at this point ventress's droid records the clip of anakin saying that he hates huts which she then sends to dooku who then shows jabba <laughs> and he tells uh, dooku tells ventress to get the hut and bring him back to jabba this continues for a lot of the movie to do with like recording information and then playing it back to people manipulated to give an mm-hmm. impression that the jedis are doing bad do you feel this movie is really a very prescient commentary on how uh, social medias can funnel yes. communication? Yes, and, yes. And the kids should yes. be warned of this before they're going yes. into their teen years. Yeah. Out of context, out of context. Don't believe everything you see in here. Yeah. Out of context, exactly. That's it. I mean, this was in 2008 as social media was really taking off. So it was a lot of foresight uh, from George Lucas and his team to... Mm-hmm analyze and assess the effects of social media and the manipulation of information excellent i'm I'm glad we're on the same page (laughs) please continue so anakin suggests to obi-wan please please continue that dooku is behind it obi-wan feels that dooku might be using the situation to get the huts to join the separatists obviously obi-wan we all know that uh then they get attacked uh, by the droid army Anakin and Ahsoka retreat into the monastery where they decide to wait for Kenobi. But Ahsoka's like, no, we have to escape. And then Ventress appears and finally reveals herself to be a Dark Lord when she engages her uh, red lightsaber. But a clone, she sort of attacks these clones and she uses the mind trick on a clone to contact Anakin. At this point, she also reveals that she also has a double, double lightsaber, which can attach and detach itself. So it can yeah. be split into two separate lightsabers or become sort of one Darth Maul style. They're still saber. they're still trying yeah, they're still trying to find a way to recapture that Darth Maul magic. Really yeah. regretting writing him out of this series. Yeah. yeah. 
It doesn't. I mean, she's all right. I don't mind her. We don't see her in any of the live action stuff, do we? Or do we? No, we don't. No, I don't. No, I don't. I think she's all right. I prefer her to the fucking counselor. And who else do we get who's evil? Count Dooku. Yeah, I prefer her to Count Dooku. I prefer these kind of more interesting alien types. Yeah, I liked her. Yeah, they'd also have more energy and (laughs) they're just, yeah, more interesting. Yeah. Although I felt like every time they had scenes with, with Ventress, the soundtrack sort of went into this kind of like North African style kind of music. <laughs> but it didn't, it, yeah. that actually lacked a bit of energy compared to her. I felt it always sort of like made it lag slightly. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can see that. So Obi-Wan finally arrives on this planet with reinforcements and Ventress finds Anakin and Ahsoka, but just as she does, R2 closes the the blast doors, but she starts cutting through the door. Um, And at this point, Stinky, who's in a backpack on Ahsoka's back, um, points to another landing platform across the forest. Um, So Anakin jumps ahead off the platform, leaving Ahsoka to deal with the Sith Lord. (laughs) Anakin's just like, I'm out of here. You deal with the Sith Lord, even though you're just become my apprentice. And obviously, Ahsoka is overpowered, but Anakin appears again on a flying creature. And it's like a big to, dragonfly thing, like, isn't it? Big dragonfly thing. And he's able to help Ahsoka and they go to the other platform. And the droid, who they met when they arrived at the monastery, who's actually working for Ventress, is there with other droids loading up this ship. And Ahsoka destroys the droids and they board the ship. Obi-Wan, he thinks Anakin's still in the castle and he goes in to look for him, but Ventress confronts Obi-Wan and they start their own little lightsaber duel. Uh, Ahsoka reminds Anakin that they have to get Stinky back to Tatooine. So they finally get the ship that they're working, uh, that they're bought, that they're on to work and they fly into a dogfight and they can't board the Jedi cruiser that's above the planet. So they take the droid transport to Tatooine. Obi-Wan tells Ventress that she's failed in this mission, but she ends up escaping. Ahsoka helps Stinky on the ship and gives him some meds and he starts to feel better. Still isn't cute. Still looks like a little poo. (laughs) Ventress sends a message to Dooku and Jabba (laughs) saying that Anakin killed Stinky, which enrages Jabba. And Dooku says that now they are going to come to kill the Huts, but he says that he will deal with Anakin personally. And then we cut back to Anakin, who, so this, he's returning to Tatooine. So if we're going in chronological order, he went back to Tatooine in Attack of the Clones to rescue his mom, Mm -hmm. uh, who, and then he killed a bunch of Tusken Raiders that had kidnapped his mother. Yeah. So he has this moment where he's telling Ahsoka that he's like unhappy to return to Tatooine. He doesn't tell her how much he hates sand. That would have been awkward if he, if he played that, if he played that line again. That would have been amazing. Uh, as long as he doesn't tell her that she's smooth then it's all fine but as they're approaching Tatooine they get attacked by Dooku's guards and their ship crash lands and Dooku goes to inspect the crashed ship Obi-Wan Christina has has umbrage for something what's up there was a point though where didn't Ahsoka is it Ahsoka Ahsoka Mm -hmm. Ahsoka Ahsoka where she, like, I don't know, I think like some sand gone on the cute stinky, and then she was like, I thought you liked sand. <laughs> oh, just yeah, stinky. Nice little, little yeah, it's just stinky. I don't know. I just yeah. thought that was like, 
they're really into like mention talking about sand in this. So her <laughs> these movies doesn't like sand. Stinky likes <laughs> sand. Stinky loves, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they have a comparable romance to Padme and Anakin, really. Then. Oh, stinky <laughs> and stinky and so that would be amazing. <laughs> a forbidden love, a hut. <laughs> Have we got to the guy who looks like Star Lord yet, or is that coming still? Uh, so I don't know. So at this point, Obi Wan speaks to the Are we Chancellor. Are Vertical City? We're not. We're not quite in Vertical City. Yet. No, not yet. So Obi Wan speaks to the Chancellor and Yoda, saying that uh, that Anakin is being chased, and then we see Senator Amidala. And I have to say, the voice acting of Senator Amidala is pretty spot on. She sounds exactly like Natalie Portman from the film. It was awesome. So she arrives to discuss Naboo, uh, but the Chancellor tells her about Anakin because uh, he's obsessed with Anakin and their little romance and manipulating them. So she decides that she has to speak to the Huts and protest Anakin's innocence. So here we go. So we find out that here we go on Coruscant, uh, Jabba has an uncle. Oh, here we go. Called Zero the Hut, who's a club owner. <laughs> And Amidala wants to go to see him because she wants to negotiate a treaty between the Republic and the Huts. So I thought he this- was a girl. Yep. So did I for a little gender bit. Doesn't, gender doesn't matter with Zero. Okay. So we go to see Zero at this club. And yeah, Zero is kind of like... It's like Matthew McConaughey in drag. Yeah, that's, and he's sort of like, like playing this a like, fat slug. yeah, but sort of playing yeah, like this kind of old school New Orleans gangstery southern. It's <laughs> just unbelievable, thick. and I fucking love it. But did you I guys notice this is- what when they showed the place like before they went, you go in to meet him? They showed like the outside of the the store or whatever or the. I don't know, the venue. The, the club. The club. And it has like the live nude girls dancing sign, basically. And not, <laughs> oh, you know really? what I mean? With this, It has the stripper sign on it. So, so they're like, trying to basically keep the context that you would have in those, in the original films, but they can't. They're trying to play it for kids at the same time. This that's, is a fine line that's of so playing in this entire scene. That's so, so funny, you know. It's so funny you noticed that, Christina, because the thing I noticed was like, oh, the outdoor facade is like a Tatooine hut temple. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Christina's like, oh, we're going to get boobies. Uh, they had like a, get zero. A, a, like a picture, like a, a, like a neon sign. Well, I don't think it was neon, but they had a sign of all these like naked girls, basically, like outlines of hey, the, the naked huts, girls. The huts love, love their naked girls. Mm. Yeah, um, I think this is. I I know. I mean, we can joke about it, and we should because it's ridiculous. <laughs> this character is so funny, but in all seriousness, I think it's it's kind of cool that out of all the things, like to invent a character, not adapting it from the live action to the animation, but to invent it for a kids TV show, and you come up with zero. I don't. I want to know who came up with this. Whose baby was this? Because someone <laughs> had to care passionately and fight to get Zero in there. And it's kind of a good progressive character to have in a show like this. Like, it. I mean, I certainly woke up. I'll say that much. It, the show, the film, had my attention at this point. Did Just yeah? It was. It was. Wait. It definitely caught me by surprise. 
Did you pass by the part where Natalie Portman gets thrown in jail? No, not yet. So, so yeah, she tries to negotiate with Zero and he refuses and tells her to leave. Uh, We cut back to Anakin, who I've just written in my notes. Anakin still hates sand as they work, so that as they walk. So that must be the bit where she's like, "Stinky, I thought you liked sand," and Anakin's like, "Sand." So Amidala (laughs) is being escorted out, but she escapes the guard taking her out. And at this point, she hears Zero talking to Dooku, who reveals that he helped. Zero reveals that he helps Dooku kidnap Stinky, and the plan is that that Zero will ultimately control all of the Hut's territory. Um, and so now Amidala is captured here. So is this the point you're thinking of, Christina? Where she's thrown into the jail cell? She's thrown into the cell. And then there's that shot of her, like, ass and her legs. Oh, really? Yeah, she's, like, really? tossed into the jail cell, and there's, like, a pan up her, like, legs and butt. I thought it was just so – I thought that was really sexualized, too. I feel I'm like the women the in this – right now, so I'm just – Checking out what happened there. Interesting. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting you're noticing it here in in a children's cartoon as opposed to mm-hmm. any of the other live action movies. This is the one you're noticing. <laughs> yeah, are you, are, you, are you noticing it more in this because it's animated and for, aimed for children, or do you think it wasn't as like occurring in the films? What? Yeah, I didn't really notice it in the films. The golden bikini. I mean, I guess a little bit in the films, but I, I think this just like um, stuck out to me more. Maybe because it's yeah. animation, and, yeah, and it's supposed to be for kids. Because well, the mean, content it didn't often. seem like adults. You know, it's not like an adult. No, it's not like an not. Adult <laughs> Swim cartoon, which sometimes no. in those two moments it felt like one. It was unnecessary yeah. the way they sh- showed her thrown like f- thrown on the ground. I'm trying to watch it back now. So and then when... Um, we talked about it. Because, yeah, we were talking about it off mic before when we... Um, Alex, because like I said, some people had taken umbrage with how Asuka's clothing had been and how revealing it was and blah, blah, blah. And when I watched it the first time, because I had listened to some people talking about that, so I went in with that in my head of like, mm. is this appropriate? How she's dressed and stuff. And I swear to God, there are scenes in this where they've like actually animated like where her boobs are like you can see her nipples like in in some of the scenes it just there's there is a weird just very subtle sexuality to a lot of the female characters i find in this so i do agree with you i'm not i can't quite put my finger on what it is though and i don't know if it's just character design or if it is purposeful shooting i'm watching that scene right now when she gets thrown in ah uh, i feel that's accidental like she gets thrown in and essentially she's lying there and you're from the droid's point as the gate shuts on her, but because she's been thrown in, her butt is facing the camera. But it doesn't seem... Doesn't, I'm not aroused, so I'm, <laughs> I'm deeming it not sexual. <laughs> I don't even specifically remember that moment. <laughs> That's a no. He's fine with it. Yeah. Just keep objectifying women, why don't you, Alex? I mean, I was still... Fine. let's just move on. I was still just blown away by... The outdoor facade of the club being like a a hut palace on Tatooine. <laughs> it's really hard to get over that. I mean, that the detail, fact, isn't it? the it's detail, like that they threw that in there. I mean, because they were on Coruscant. Oh, you're so low. And like to do that is just like today's a day where you need to go and tell your wife that you appreciate her. <laughs> <laughs> you're a lucky man. <laughs> so, um, so after Abadal is thrown in to the prison 
uh, 3PO manages to message her and say that she and she has time to tell 3PO that she's in trouble. Dooku finds Anakin on Tatooine and tries to give him the old lightning, um, and they battle. So this is, I guess, their first confrontation post Attack of the Clones, and indicates that they obviously confronted each other before their final confrontation at the start of Revenge of the Sith. Which doesn't really work, does it? Yeah. Like, there's no... I don't know. That doesn't work. Yeah, because... cool battle, though. Because he also says in Revenge of the Sith when he's fighting Anakin, your powers have grown since we last met. Mm. So, I mean, you could just... Mm. You could put it back to that, but in the context... Yeah, anyway. And here, they both look more powerful, for sure. I mean, if like, not as much as that other Clone Wars series, but in this, the Jedi are all edging closer towards superheroes, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, but I like this battle a lot. I think it's cool. I like that we get a new location. I think the direction of it is pretty cool. And this is, you know, I mean, we've seen animated lightsaber fights, I guess, before in terms of CGI moments. But it's kind of cool to see, okay, what does a lightsaber fight look like when you don't have to do choreography of real people? And yeah, like for sure. And Dooku, yes, yeah, so they have a fight. Dooku tells Anakin that he feels his pain and loss. Oh, yeah. And so Dooku... Uh, Anakin at this point has the stinky backpack on and Dooku slices it thinking he's killed Jabba's son but Anakin reveals that he sent Ahsoka to Jabba's palace at this point Ahsoka is ambushed by Dooku's droids and Dooku uh, tells <laughs> sorry <laughs> I don't mean to sigh a lot we can just go home man we can just go home if you want yeah. uh, Anakin steals Dooku's speeder to rescue Ahsoka 3PO, what a hero he is. He, he arrives at Zero's club to rescue Amidala. And you think he's going to do it by himself, but, but clone troops arrive and they rescue, they rescue Padme and they arrest Zero. Well, Zero. you can't arrest me. <laughs> <laughs> but I had nothing to do really, with this highlight, plan. Honestly, true highlight. So is he with Padme? I'm very confused in the chronology of this. Are they going? Are they an item? Because they yeah, don't seem like it. Yeah, they have it. to be, right? Yeah. 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 Technically, they do, but they don't seem like it at all. In this. I know. It's okay, actually, there's. Me. I know. Actually, there's a, a Amidala and Anakin moment that comes up later, which I think is so much better than any of the moments between them in the films. Oh, really? Because it, okay. it because they use restraint. Uh, anyway, so they use restraint. Like he, they use restraint in showing their romance he does have a dark side <laughs> i mean anakin doesn't use restraints <laughs> anyway uh okay okay yeah. can i do one quick call back because i'm afraid i don't have many notes from the point where um uh zero comes in i literally have four notes mm-hmm. <laughs> so i want to get i've missed one of them which is that yeah when, when count dooku's talking to who's he talking to before pub made and walks in he's talking to a droid isn't he or someone and he says like if they see her then they should kill her and then she literally just turns up in the room <laughs> and then they decide oh let's capture her and trade her yeah literally like two seconds ago he said if you see her to kill her and then he literally sees her and decides to just capture her and trade her and makes it to no that's a clone wars her. for you yeah hearts always want to make money <laughs> i don't have any notes i'm sorry i've got to, i've got to say the stuff i've written down oh I literally, I think I'm out. Okay. Continue. Now that we've, um, we've analyzed that, that little point, Anakin, 
Anakin enters the palace, uh, Jabba's palace, and hands over his weapon. He speaks to Jabba, and Anakin, because at this point, Anakin doesn't know that Soka's being attacked by uh, Dooku's guards. So he goes to Jabba and threatens Jabba, which Jabba thought was going to happen because of what Dooku told him and that the, that the Jedi were going to kill him. Um, so it enrages Jabba a bit just before he's going to bring down his wrath on Anakin. Ahsoka arrives just in time with Stinky. But Jabba still orders their execution. Uh, but Amidala comes up in, and contacts Jabba, who reveals, and she reveals the plot by Zero and Dooku. Um, and she negotiates a treaty with Jabba, who then grants the clone army the movement through his territory. Now, this is the Amidala and Anakin point I have. She then, in this communication, talks to, dresses Anakin um, and thanks him, and Anakin thanks her. And they have this, and they have this moment where it just kind of pauses on them a bit, where they're exchanging a look. And for me, that was perfect because it was subtle. Just that look is better than anything. Well, it's supposed else. to be yeah, undercover like, too. Right? We don't have to. Yeah, and I mean, but that's all those. Like, it was just. I feel like they would have forced some way to make it obvious that they're well, in love. Well, technically, they're the married. Films by that, point, and in. in right? Yeah, uh, yeah, of course, yeah. So, so I feel like they would have forced at least a way to show that they're in a relationship. Whereas this, like, it felt like okay, we can just be a bit more subtle. Yes, they're not meant to reveal it in this circumstance, but it you can just read it off. I read more from their CGI look than I did <laughs> Natalie Portman and Kristen Hayden <laughs> talking to each other. You're not wrong. I've said a lot of things. I'm going to argue at the end of this movie that most of the acting's better than anything in the prequel. Yes. <laughs> and so I, I, I agree with you. I don't remember this specific moment, mm. it, uh, but I have no doubt that you're right, Alex, and it was more convincing than mm -hmm. anything we're given with the live-action counterparts. So they have that, and then Dooku speaks to uh, Darth Sidious and says that they've, this plan has failed and the Dark Lord's like, we'll let the Jedi have this small victory, but everything, don't, like, don't worry, everything is still going according to plan. Um, Yoda and Obi-Wan arrive uh, on Tatooine outside uh, Jabba's palace as Anakin and Ahsoka exit the palace. And that's the end of our film. It just stops. It just stops, <laughs> basically. Pretty much. But the music tries to convince you more has happened dramatically at the end. Mm. But it just thought we don't get the voice. Cause we, we did miss at the beginning instead of that opening crawl, they have the voiceover, which the voice is like over. a 19. It's a weird, like, press, it's like a cartoon version of a press. Yeah, that was weird from the 1950s or something. Trouble spreads like, across the galaxy. In the clone wars travel, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. The clone army have been no, separated the from end, the republic. Yeah, no, it's, it's like a 1940s, like, yeah, war announcement. It's, re it's really an interesting choice, it gives personality to the show. Uh, but yeah, the ending doesn't have that. We just stop. And yeah, and I mean that, I know how you were saying the first Clone Wars title and the music's kind of slow and it kind of lags a bit, but then that opening gives it that energy, which is then like sustained through the whole thing. Because the whole thing's basically one giant yeah. action sequence. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Should we go home? Goodbye. Our work here is done. <laughs> Uh, I've been looking at Jabba the Hutt crochet toys on Etsy for Christina. Um, no, I can't find a good, I can't find Damn a stupid one, I'm afraid. 
only Jabba, but it's pretty. Because uh, why would you crochet a poo? <laughs> no, the poo is better. Crochet Jabba's, better. That crochet Jabba's better. Yeah, cute. he's not quite a poo. It's the big eyes. The big eyes that really yeah. make it work with a stinky. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, do we have any extra facts? There are a few facts about this movie, but honestly, there was nothing that interesting. I will say from my end, I, yeah, I watched this about five days ago. I'll be honest, it's already kind of faded in my brain very rapidly. And then I did go after this and I watched a three-episode arc where they bring back Darth Maul, my favorite prequel character. Uh, this was in season five, I think it is, because he comes back twice. And it's actually written by George Lucas's daughter, who was the one who played the blue alien in that bar uh, in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, and she is a big fan of Darth Maul, so she keeps bringing him back in different ways. And yeah, he's at the bottom of that garbage chute. He's like, it's, it's quite a while afterwards. I think it's his one of his brothers, I'm trying to remember now, finds him because they go looking for him. And he's used mechanical like parts from this garbage chute to create new spider legs. And he's just gone crazy. He's gone absolutely crazy down there. Uh, and then they eventually give him normal robot legs and he's back to kind of normal Darth Maul fun. And it's really good. Like, it's really, really genuinely good. The animation's a lot more sophisticated, but in the same style. The direction's cool. It's a lot darker. And what they do with Darth Maul's genuinely very, very cool. And I know, like I say, like a lot of people... Like, that convinced me to go, okay, maybe I want to watch some of the TV show, but I'm not watching six fucking seasons, which does it just get good at the end? Where should I jump on? And the problem is everyone seems to like different seasons and different parts, and it's a lot of an up-and-down journey. I feel like they need to do a... What's that Dragon Ball Z Kai thing they do where they just cut out all the shit mm -hmm. and yep. just make like a purist version of the Clone Wars? These are your essential episodes. But I could totally see from those episodes why some people love this TV show. I then went and checked out, yeah, the uh, the pilot for Rebels, which I've seen twice now. I only realized halfway through watching it again. But I've already <laughs> seen it. Um, I'm not, I love the idea of Rebels, but I don't think the animation's as good. But we'll really get to that in the wrap up, I think, where we cover other Star Wars media mm -hmm. um, and things. But I don't think the animation's as good as it is at the end of the Clone Wars in Rebels. It was a different company. It's when Disney took over. And yeah, I know what things. you mean. I can see that for sure. Clone Wars, just to be yeah clear, as soon as Disney bought Lucas, uh, sorry, Star Wars in 2012, they, sh they immediately announced Clone Wars is over and canceled the show because uh, it was on a competing network to Disney. So, um, so Clone Wars has a has a lower Rotten Tomatoes approval rating than even the made-for-television Ewok films and the Star Wars Holiday Special. No way. Does it really? Yeah. It comes wow. in at 18% approval rating based on 157 reviews, while the previous really six harsh. theatrical films range from 55% to 94%. Yeah, and the Ewok films and the Holiday Special garnered higher ratings. Although their our averages encompassed far fewer reviews. Yeah, I think that's harsh. I'm looking forward to talking about the holiday special though when we get to that wrap up. Because and it was um it was uh, nominated for um a Razzie for what? worst prequel remake <laughs> ripoff or sequel. Seriously. Uh, All right. Well, Christina, you've. You drifted in and out a little bit on this one. I feel like all three of us have in different ways. I'm guessing that you're going to say not recommend, but how do you feel about the Clone Wars? Give us all of your feelings, all your impressions. Would you recommend it? And here's the thing. 
because you have to look at it would you recommend a star wars fan a non-star wars fan but also to like kids you know like there's a lot of demographics here yeah would you recommend it to any of them okay i did like the new character soko ahsoka is that her name okay i enjoyed her i approve of her then uh, I loved uh, Stinky. Stinky was great. Really enjoyed Stinky. I liked the new villain. She was cool. Um, but other than that, I would not suggest watching this to anybody. I just think <laughs> there's nothing you gain from it. Even as a standalone cartoon for kids, I mean, you don't really learn anything from it. You know what I mean? There's a lot other things out there that I would, you know, spend my time watching or suggest kids to watch. And in the whole Star Wars franchise, you know, all the movies together as a whole, like this doesn't really do anything for anything. <laughs> Just anything. So, anything I mean, I don't think it's horrible, but I don't know. There's just nothing really to gain from it. Okay. Okay. Uh, cool. Um, I had a question that came to me, which you were saying to that, but it's drifted away. So I'll come back to you in a minute. If I, if I, if it okay. resurfaces. But this is the first one <laughs> you don't want to talk that I, I've said, I have not suggested. Well, you texted us, yeah, because you texted us last night. And like, oh, I haven't watched a Star Wars film in a few days. I'm really excited. Yeah, but then like, <laughs> by the time I got home, I was so exhausted because I didn't sleep the night before that I turned it on and I right. watched five minutes and then I fell asleep. So I had to wake up this right, morning right, right. at 5 a.m. to finish it. Oh, it's another morning one? Oh, my God, Christina. <laughs> God bless you. Hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Uh, <laughs> Alex, yeah. Star Wars fan, how do you feel about the Clone Wars? I'm interested because this is your first time. Yeah, so, I mean, I've, I'd, I'd watched a bit of the Clone Wars series and, and really enjoyed it uh, and really enjoyed what? it offered in sort of the expansion of the story between you know, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. But yeah, it came into this completely fresh. And for me, throughout the whole thing, it just, it felt too much. Like, it just felt like three or four episodes spliced together that I would have much preferred to have watched as as episodic, yeah, as episodes rather than as a as a put-together film. Because for me, it just felt, it felt too episodic and then it was just too much of like a continuous action sequence for a story that I wasn't really invested in. Because I, like I said at the start, you know, the whole idea about the huts and their influence on the galaxy, like it just, it just didn't feel as interesting to me. And I think if I had watched it as episodes, I would have been like, oh, cool. Like that first episode with the droid battle with Anakin and Obi-Wan was really cool. And then, oh, they brought in a young Padawan, like, like I felt like I would have followed it more rather than having to sit through an hour of that. But I really love the animation. I think it just looks really cool. I think it, it really, from the get-go, it just really defined 
like it, it it was very unique it became its own thing like that look was very bold and and very different to other stuff that was out and felt good to star wars i'm losing my trailer thought uh would i recommend it i guess that's the next question um that isn't that is the question i feel for both star wars fans and even uh even newcomers to this sort of franchise and even kids i think it's probably worth just investing more time in watching the clone wars tv series than watching this film because it's very much but where from because this is the clone wars tv series (laughs) so like where should i mean should people just jump in after this then or should they go later on do you think in this no like jump into the beginning of the series but that's something you could. This is the beginning of the series. That's the problem. Yeah, like, that but, is the problem. This I mean, is literally the first four episodes. So, it's like, but that's that's my yeah. thing. Is like, if it was four episodes, great. But as a film, to go and sit down and watch this for an hour, I well, I, you can press pause every twenty minutes. Like, well, if you want to watch it that way, then fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> but as a film, I feel like it's like basically you wouldn't you wouldn't be lost if you go and start from the beginning of the Clone Wars TV series. And that really starts to find its feet and becomes way more interesting as it develops. So this, I'm just like, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily add more to the story of the Clone Wars and what I enjoy personally. I, I, I just, yeah, I actually wouldn't recommend this. And it's the first one. Like I, I love. <laughs> Finally, you said it. <laughs> yeah, like I just feel like you're better <laughs> off going straight to the Clone Wars episodic TV series. Um, and just skipping this. Uh, okay, it's, it, it is. Inter- I mean, you see what I'm getting at, which is interesting that you're saying to watch it as a movie really is something you wouldn't recommend, but to watch it split up, maybe you would recommend it. Yeah, and that people seem to love the TV show, but this is the TV show. It's like it's it's a weird, yeah, juxtaposition of stuff. Um, and so I'm not trying to be perverse by pushing. You no, absolutely. I, I I I get it. I just don't think. Yeah, I don't think as a, as a hour whatever seven minute feature, it works because it feels it's episode an hour and a half. If this is ninety six minutes. Yeah, it's, it's an like hour and a half. It should have been ninety minutes. Like it feels. 19. 19, 19, nine, nine. I mean, it feels like seconds. Four episodes spliced together. That's why I'm like. Because it well, is, exactly. right? Like for me, there are very obvious tips where you could just pause it and just go, all right, that's one episode down. And yeah. But I mean, look at it like nowadays, if you like a TV show, you want to binge yeah. a TV show. Mm-hmm. So this is ostensibly just binging mm. a TV show. That's a good point. And, and you two so far are saying it's not recommendable in that format. So how good is it? If you don't want to watch three to four episodes in a row of something that's only 20 minutes long, is it No, really it's good? not yeah. good. Yeah. You know? For you. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting it christina <laughs> so all right so i've sound pretty down on this show um so far i'm gonna say this which i sort of alluded to earlier i think this is better <laughs> than almost all of the prequels <laughs> like this at no point angered me like an attack of the clones did it, at no point uh, played with my emotions in the way Revenge of the Sith did. I think the voice acting is actually more convincing. I think Anakin's a much better Anakin, both in character and in voice acting, 
than Hayden Christensen does. I actually think Obi-Wan is arguably as good, if not better, than how Ewan McGregor, if you just close your eyes and listen to the voices. Mm-hmm. So I think the performances are, are as good, if not better. But is it the performances or the is it the writing? The Do you think it's the writing that's just a little better? That's why? No, but that's... No. No, no, I think the writing's mm. worse. That's what I'm going to get to. It's like, I think the performances here are better. I think the characters are better. I like the animation style. I don't like the animation yet. I think it's too clunky. Watching those ones later on in the series, yes, I think it's much, much better. I think it's very, very cool. I would argue that Arca, What's a Darth more later is better than any of the prequel films. But it's, yeah, it is clunky at this stage at the beginning. It is clearly for kids. They don't really know what they're doing. Unlike you two, I don't like Asuka. I think she's kind of annoying. Uh, later in the series, they skip a bunch of years and she grows up and I find it better. The episodes I've seen with her as a grown-up. And it's it's just bad writing. Like this, These four episodes are just badly written. Nothing's really happening. They deal with solutions in stupid ways. <laughs> Them under a box was the red flag right there at the beginning. Oh, this is how sophisticated we're going to get out of situations. I don't think because you're writing for kids means you get to be a lazy writer. You know, I think if anything, it's more of a challenge to do good writing. And stuff like Wally coming out this same year proves what you can do. So I, I absolutely don't recommend this. I think it's I think it's worst a grievance is that it's boring. It's just really dull. And every now and then I woke up. Like I woke up when there was the little baby jab at heart for a second. Because I was like, what the hell is that looking at me? I woke up again later when Zero appeared. Because I was like, what the hell is that talking? And I woke up a little bit in a couple of the lightsaber battles because they are kind of cool. I think the direction here is cool in places. The animation is just a bit too clunky to match up to it. So yeah, I mean, I would, I agree with you, Alex, in that I think better time suited is go to them when they figured out how to do this properly, which is later on in the TV show. I don't know how far to jump ahead, but I would say a few seasons, you know, for me, for most people, it seems to be four, five and six are like where it gets a lot better. But there are still bad episodes in there. So I would say go online, research, see who, what character you're interested in and find a character arc that you like from later on in the seasons and check that out to see. For no other reason than even if you want to do everything, this is hard to get hold of now. The Clone Wars, this original movie, they want to kind of bury it. Um, so it's now over $100 to buy this on Blu-ray uh, because it's out of print and you just have to buy it from second hand, basically. So this is a tough movie to come across now. And it's not worth the effort <laughs> at all. <laughs> um, it's it's just not it's not good. But I think it would go on to be the foundation to something that would be great. So I, you're welcome that we all sat through it, <laughs> and you don't have to. I guess is my last message on it. So this was 2008. We wouldn't get another Star Wars film until 2015. Is that correct? That is correct. Seven years. So seven years. Seven years gap. I was yeah, just That's how long it takes me to add up on my fingers. <laughs> Same. <laughs> I still do it like I did at school you under did. the table. Like, no one's looking. One, two, three. <laughs> it's just how quick can you move your fingers, yeah. really? That's what the skill comes down mm-hmm. to at that point. Seven years until the next one. But we had these, this TV show going that entire time, basically, leading up. Uh, to Force Awakens and we're going to get into a new era when we get to the next podcast we're going to be talking about the Disney takeover we're going to get to new directors coming in new visions George Lucas having nothing to do with the new content 
that we're going to be watching from here on out. And we're in the home straight now, guys. I'm excited. We're going to be Force Awakens. We're going to be Rogue One. And then we're going to be The Last Jedi. It's exciting. This Christmas 2017. Oh, too bad exciting. we can't go watch and it together, all of us. I know. I know. It's a real shame. In the theaters. Oh, we'll be watching it here in LA. Double feature. Force Awakens and Last Jedi with my uh, friend Nick, who I don't know if I've mentioned, with Bethany <laughs> and Nick. Have I mentioned Nick? I feel Bethany should be a bit jealous of Nick at this stage. <laughs> uh, Wait. Well, uh, Bethany and I lived with Nick for a, for a time in Australia before we moved to the US. And um, let's just say she bullied him. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't That doesn't. Surprise. Wait, which ones are you watching, Alex? Force Awakens and The Last Jedi double feature. I think I did send you a link, Christina, and invited you. I know. <laughs> I could come. So your little we should see it Awkward. together. <laughs> I could come. It was already an invite. It's just that <laughs> but can I won't I be come here. without my husband? Or am I gonna be fourth wheel? <laughs> fourth wheel. No. That's right. Fourth wheel. That's just a yeah, car. Yeah, but wait. By that point, when you're a fourth wheel, you're a car. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Which it's it's okay. Wait, what? The last one's called the Last Jedi. Yeah, yeah. And uh, technically, it's the middle one because we're in a new trilogy. I know, but uh, you know what I mean. The Awaken, newest one, the Last Jedi, and but I'm just saying that's why they're not double billing it with Rogue One because Rogue One's like a. Oh, story. that's why. So what are they double billing it with? Because Rogue One was technically the last one. Force Awakens. The Force Awakens, which, which we-, we believe is the only one you've seen before. So you probably won't want to do oh, that. Oh, okay. Which is the next one yeah, to see right see now. It now. So that would be your third time. So you probably don't want to do that. So you're mean, Alex. I'm going to have to watch it again. Three times might be too much for her. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I wish I'd never invited you. Can I just sneak you? in? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, I've got my tickets. Can I buy it? Is I it a half what? price if I just want to see the last one? You're asking me questions Do I don't know Christina. the answers to. It's a double just, feature just to or nothing. Confuse us even more, Christina. Confuse us even more. You and I have to have our conversation about when we might be flying you over here to finish a project that we were working on. And that might coincide as well because I've got tickets for over here for when I'm watching it. But I thought it takes <laughs> months for it to come out over there. No, no, no. Fuck you. Fuck <laughs> you, lady. Okay, so then I'll watch it with you. Sorry, <laughs> Alex. <laughs> But there's only a single feature in London. So Alex, just cool why there. are you walking off? What happened? Invitation revoked. No more invitations. <laughs> why even bother with this podcast? I'm out. <laughs> you did such a good job explaining the story to us of the Clone Wars, man. I appreciate it. because I know. Thank you. That. You're um, welcome. <laughs> we will... Uh, what am I doing? What am I doing? What's happening? Oh, yeah. Uh, we've been We Are Geeks. You can head over to wearegeeks.com where you can then branch out to all of our podcasts, uh, everything on there. You can go sign up on the iTunes to our podcast, Geeks, where we have weekly topical games and, and movie news every single Tuesday with a whole bunch of different people. And then every Friday, we have our horror channel where we have a new uh, retrospective franchise podcast, just like the Star Wars one, but covering horrors. We've done Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We are now doing Child's Play, which Alex is with me on that one, and Allison. Chucky! Yeah, enjoy the Chuckies. And what else can you do? Yeah, also on wearegeeks.com, you can email us directly, or you can just mail us at mail at wearegeeks.com. 
You can also head out to our social medias. Let us know what you want, what you think. If you could subscribe and leave us a rating, it does help a whole bunch. And then also on weirdgeeks.com, you can branch out to weirdtessellate.com, which is our publishing company. We're a production company right out of London, LA, and Tokyo, uh, making feature films. And we've just made our first one called Starfish, and we're making more. And we'll be talking about all of that on our websites and on our weekly show, Geeks. I've been your host, Al White. You can follow me on the social medias of Mr. Al White, Christina Masterson. On the social medias at underscore hi, Christina. And Alex and Chard. You can find me at Alexander Chard on Twitter and Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That was uncanny. Uncanny. I like, Christina, how on your mic right now you have a mini version of you just mounting it. It's it's kind of perturbing. I try to add. I have more things to add to it, but, you know, there's not enough room. That's true. Need a bigger mic. Thank you guys for joining me. We'll be back with the next podcast with The Force Awakens. I'm really yeah. excited to get back. I'm really excited to get back to The Force Awakens. Uh, until then, we're out. Geeks. Geeks.